is for bubble. B is for bubble. Bubble, bubble, bubble. Bubble, bubble, bubble. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory Podcast. Well, you know, Sean, everyone knows it's windy. But windy has stormy eyes. That flash at the sound of lies. Hand to God, right here. Um, I'm going to turn on my webcam for a sec so you can see what I have in my hand. What do you have in your hand? You see what I have here? Uh, barely. Oh, wow. You actually have the music. The guitar chords for the song yes. "Windy" in your hand. Yeah, they were right. They were right next to my desk. Holy well, if that's not a, a kowinky dink, and only reason I bring that up is because it's windy. Well, it isn't. Isn't actually right now. An hour oh, ago, dude, we were like horrible dude, down get, here. Get over to Chicago and tell me it's not windy. Well, it's not windy here now in Morris, which I'm 60 miles away from you. And uh, this is Jimmy G in Morris, by the way. And this, uh, and this is lying git, Sean. Lying git, the amazing lying gits. So, how are you, Sean? How art thou? Um, apparently I'm a liar and a git. Well, I am too. I mean, be <laughs> fair. And uh, yeah, uh, the guys over at uh, Ten Pence didn't really appreciate our April Fool's joke. <laughs> I can't believe they actually, well, after was... my description of the Ms. Uncle Pooh machine, that they thought that that was real. Those guys are smarter than that. Come on. They said they saw Uncle Pooh cabinet when they were growing up. They did not. No. The lying gets. Huh. Well, they, they, well, they were, I don't know. They, maybe they had a couple of pints or something and they weren't under in the. A couple uh, pints of Guinness. Oh, God, I want a couple of pints of Guinness right now. I, I want real Guinness, not the American Guinness. Now, I want, like, actual Irish Guinness. I've had, well, obviously, American Guinness uh, for the first time a couple of months ago, and I, I quite enjoyed it, actually. It was uh, it was delightful. and uh, It cures headaches, too, and I'm not even lying about really? that. Really? So if you have a hangover, Guinness. Head- I didn't say hangover, uh, I said headache. Yeah, but you can get a headache from hangovers. Aha, you, you can, see. but it won't cure your hangover. Uh-huh, I see. You'll still be hungover, but I don't know. I don't know if maybe you just have to be Irish or something, because I have Aye. some Irish blood in me, but every time I've ever had a headache, no matter how bad my headache was, if I had a Guinness, especially uh, from the tap, 20 minutes later, gone. Huh. Interesting. I don't haven't really drank much in the way of booze lately. I I just I, don't know, I just don't spend the money often. And what was the last thing I had? Wow, I, I can't even is, remember. I'm, a, I'm drinking a grapefruit shandy from uh, Leinenkugel Brewing Legend since 1867, Ladies. Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Um, only because we had people over a few weeks ago and everybody brought booze and stuff and what usually happens when people bring booze over is they drink like they have like one drink and then they leave the rest (laughs) so yes that's always happens yes every every party there'll be like i'm not complaining by the way it's very generous i appreciate it i I notice every party there's like cups of like maybe two or three uh, swallows of booze left in them and like every other one has like a cigarette butt in it yeah yeah yeah, and that, that 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 sucks, especially since I'm a cheap bastard, and that's where I get my booze from. But you know, the red solo cup thing that was immortalized by in song by some country singer who I don't really care to know. So, oh okay, yeah. So 
Have, you mean a country singer? A country singer. Yeah, they're all the same. I don't like country music. Yeah, I can't say that. I do like some Johnny Cash and some early Charlie Daniels, but that's about it. But uh, so, I'm just like not having. I'm saying an awful lot about nothing tonight, aren't I? So far. Yeah, yeah. You are. You are being a little bit Seinfeldian, but so am I. What's the deal with airline food? No, and of course I don't think. Is it? He, he never did say what's the deal, did he? I'm sure he did. So yeah. Hey, uh, what have you been playing? Um, I have been playing. Um, I played a lot of Kangaroo for the 2600 because really? they're they're playing it right now on Atari.io, and it just basically confirms that I do not like Kangaroo. Huh. But um, it, it, it's a, it's slightly less unplayable than the arcade version. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. Um, I went to Underground Retrocade on Saturday. And I found myself just like, say, going to a machine and then spending like a buttload of time on it, like game after game after game after game, like Astro Invader for one. I Mm -hmm. I kept playing the hell out of that. I did a Junior Pac-Man Turbo world record improvement attempt. I did improve my official world record score, but only by a few thousand. So it's like, yeah, I'm not going to bother submitting this. Mm -hmm. But um, let me see. Astro Invader, I'm surprised, didn't make it to, to the home consoles. That is a uh, fascinating game, Ast- really. I don't know if I'm Armor familiar- Attack, I played that. I don't know if I'm familiar with Astro Invader. It's a Japanese game, I think, brought over by Stern. Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds like it steals the sound effects from Space Invaders. Oh, is that the one happens- where the aliens come down, like, in a column? Yes. Okay, yes, yes I know the one. I've played it at Retrocade. Yeah, it's, it's like, and, uh, right along <laughs> in with the, the rest of the, uh, the Stern... Uh, games are right there if i'm not mistaken but you know what it was i was going around to the different machines and seeing like the ones that don't have my name in the top 10 mm-hmm. and the ones that i thought i could reasonably possibly get in the top 10 i just played those until i did so let's see armor attack was one of them that is a fun as hell game that, um, and that's a rare one too armor attack i have it's a played vector that game. i have played that there and i've uh, played it a little little bit of the uh the 7800 version of that yeah 7800 with the raster graphics of course Indeed. uh what else did i play i play a lot of um i played nibble i played several games of nibbler because i just there's this one maze i just cannot get past I can get past it earlier on in the game and the first few times it iterates, but later on in the game, about 16 rounds in, when that maze comes up, it's when the snake actually grows longer, faster, yes. so you don't have enough room to do the pattern that I do. I knew that was coming, but hey, there was <laughs> nothing else I could do. Oh, yes. man. Oh, and I played Total Carnage for the first time. Did you love it? It was okay. I'd play it again. I see that they say it's not a... Uh... A sequel to Smash TV, but... It absolutely freaking lutely is. Yeah, it is. It is. It's it, just not a game show. Right. And uh, I didn't play any pinball. Oh, my God. I got, I got to go back. Uh-oh. You, like, I got, right I got now? to go back and play some... No, not right now. I'm kind of tired. Oh, okay. So, which... Uh, what have I been playing? Well, I've just been playing tonight's games and... Uh, <laughs> and, oh, me uh, too. I've uh, I haven't really been playing much else. Oh, you told me about Cube Quest the other day, and I was playing some of it. Yeah, and, uh, that's an interesting game. That I'm gonna have to spend some more time with. Oh yeah. Uh, the I I love the uh, the laser disc backgrounds in that. 
Uh, it's uh, pretty much just for eye candy, but uh, nothing wrong with that, uh, as long as the game itself is fun. And it seems to be a pretty decent game, but I just need to spend some more time with it. Maybe we'll talk about it I didn't even it realize it had LaserDisc backgrounds. I was playing it without it. I was like, this is, this is interesting, interesting, interesting. You, so I'm assuming you got the, uh, the CHD file working properly. No, not yet, not yet. Okay, here's what you do. You put, oh, I, I know what to do. I did it for Firefox. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So, yeah. Uh, I thought you just dropped the CHD in the ROMs folder. No, you don't. you got to put it actually in a folder with the CHD name as well. So, you know. Mm. I could have sworn you didn't have to do that in the previous versions, but, uh, oh, well, there you go. So, um, now I played a lot of one of the games we're talking about tonight. Uh, well, I played it tonight a lot. And... Um, I think I may have changed my opinion on it uh, after playing it, and uh, yes, yeah, so we'll have to uh, we'll have to talk about that at some point tonight. But uh, oh, by the way, um, uh, we've we've talked about the revival of Mystery Science Theater, Mystery Science Theater three thousand: The Return, and I just found out uh, was it today, last night, something like that, that uh, they're actually doing a live show, uh, a live tour. They're coming to Chicago. Uh, what was it, the sixteenth, seventeenth of July, yeah, and uh, it's the Watch Out for Snakes tour. Watch out for snakes! Oh, ho, 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 ho. and they're See, redoing. I, the... I haven't seen much about it. All I know is from the brief mention that my wife, my wife brought it up briefly, mm-hmm. and you brought it up briefly. Yes. And that's all I. That's, that's it's, all I know. It's about. the Watch Out for Snakes tour, and they're redoing Ega. Why are they re? Why they don't need don't to redo Ega? I don't know. But I'm still interested to see what uh, the new cast and writers have uh, have to say about the game uh, about the game about the movie. <laughs> I've got several different versions of Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. I have the original Mystery Science Theater version. Uh, I have the uh, the cinematic Titanic and the Rift Tracks version of Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. I've got four different versions of it, and I enjoy each one. Um, See, I just have the MST3K and Svengooli versions, and I haven't ooh. watched the Svengooli version in close to 20 years, actually. Like, you recorded it off a of TV? Yeah. Hmm. I might have to borrow that from you. I'm interested in he, seeing that. He had a better print than the one that MST3K used. Oh, really? Yeah, it looks a little bit better. You know what? I'm kind of wondering if maybe they got a better print of Ega. Could be. Could be. If, if a better print exists. Uh, but I guess we won't know until uh, July, and I'm interested, but I'd be, don't, yeah. I, I'm interested in going, but not sure if I will be able to. But I just hope that they uh, they film it and release it on DVD like uh, Rift Tracks does with their live shows. So, so you got that going for you. So I have I said that way too early. I tipped my hand. So that's about all um, I oh. have to say for tonight. Uh, oh, I cleaned my bedroom, too. That's uh, oh, quite oh, the accomplishment. Nice. Yeah, it looks uh, 80% less messy. Oh, yeah. Good. And that'll last all of, like, five minutes. Oh, oh I, got, I got some Atari stuff yesterday. Oh, such as? I, I just sort of got suckered into this eBay deal. And so I have a Sears Video Arcade 6-Switch mm-hmm. with the box. And the box has a big dent in it that wasn't in the picture, and I have what came with that also was an Atari 7800 and um, a BC Blaster controller. You know what a BC Blaster is? Uh, where you blast people that live in Vancouver? Exactly. Oh, yeah. sweet. 
British Columbia. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like a, I think it's an early version of Rampage, except uh, the mutated monsters are very polite about it. Oh. But, uh, BC but anyway, yeah, the BC Blaster controller. It's basically a different kind of. Con- it's kind of. It's like the Starplex controller, except it's not quite as fancy. The buttons are all red squares, and the fire button broke off in transit because this thing was packed for crap. Not packed with crap. No. Oh, okay. In what fact, when I picked up the box, I could hear everything move. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, little tip for you people: if you're going to ship something. You better not hear anything move when you shake the box vigorously. Yes. I only picked it up and I heard stuff rattling around. That's a telltale sign that, uh, yeah, there is a good chance something in here got damaged. Um, everything actually works. Everything uh-huh. works. I uh, got a bunch of uh, boxed Atari games with it. They all they actually turned out pretty good. The box the boxes are in pretty good shape. But uh, I was still kind of cheesed off because I was really looking forward to that BC Blaster. But I think I could probably gorilla glue that thing back together. I mean, it works. The, mm-hmm. It just doesn't have the red cap on it. I see. But hey, and I'm thinking what I'm going to do is is uh, do uh, an audio mod on one or both of those without at, like doing one of those mods that doesn't actually drill any holes in the console. Mm-hmm. See how that works out. But yeah, that's uh, that's stuff right there. <gasps> Ooh, excuse me. Whoa, that's some stuff too. Grapefruit Shandy. Thank, thank you, Jake Leinenkugel. Everyone knows it's Shandy. But yeah, that's that's uh, stuff. That is tings and stuff, huh? All right. Yeah. So, uh, well, do we have any addenda and errata? Well, we do. But before we get into that, I, I think we should address some feedback we got. It's not real. I, oh, I, I can't wonder do that because uh, I can't do that because Ferg does the feedback thing. And the thing is, like, if it weren't for Ferg, that is exactly the kind of feedback recording I would have done, what he has. But he beat me to it. What are you going to do? You know, there was actually the late uh, Chicago morning radio show host, Don Wade, uh, in the, when he was, wow, he's, he was on in Chicago radio for a long time until he died a couple years ago, um, had a, uh, a, th- a thing where you could send in to him and he would get, give, send you out a decoder ring and or like a decoder wheel or whatever and he would tell a joke it was a dirty joke and but he had read the punchline in code and what happened was uh, he had something behind the intro to the bit it was uh, morse code and when you translated the morse code from you know the 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 dits and dits and dots and whatever dits and dashes um it actually spelled out the word feedback huh interesting so maybe we should do yeah, maybe we no, should no, do, I can't uh, do that because Don Wade did it before. Yeah, he did that like 20 years ago while he was still alive and was still doing the bit. There's uh, no way he'll yeah, sue you now. Yeah, but still. No, but his estate. Could, wow, this is morbid. If he if he had an estate, but uh, but yeah, but let's 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 in spicing things a little bit with some feedback. Uh, this is actually we we kind of missed this one from last time, so I apologize. But uh, we this is kind of uh, in response to what we talked about with episode fifty two when we were talking about uh, Neo Geo, and I was talking about the Super Dodgeball mm-hmm. and all this. This comes from Scott Lambert of the Underground Retrocade, and he says um, Super Dodgeball from SNK was available as both a dedicated PCB and as a Neo Geo cart. If you played it here, you played the dedicated board. Mm-hmm. We also have it on the 161 and 1 
the 161 in one Neo Geo card. Is that right? 161? Or does that maybe maybe his finger slipping at 16 in one? I don't know. Uh, I suppose I could have looked it up, but hey, who has time in today's economy? Uh, actually, I have the time in today's economy. And yes, there actually is a 161 in one Neo Geo MVS cartridge. Well, then again, since about 158 of them are probably just the same fighting game with different skins, that's that's easy to believe. And one but, of them is uh, Mr. See, and one of the games is Mr. Do. <laughs> Neo Mr. Do. On a Neo Geo? Yeah. You never huh. heard of Neo Mr. Do? We thought I thought I brought no. it up in the Mr. Do episode. Huh. I don't know. Where Mr. Do can turn into a girl? Oh, okay. That sounds about that sounds a little bit familiar. Okay. But anyway, he says we also have it on the 161 and 1 Neo Geo cart, and comparing it to the dedicated board, they seem identical. Neither, of course, is that a memorable game. Okay, dude, come on. Come on. Super. Do- I got to say, Super Dodgeball was fun. It really was. I I absolutely remember it. But then again, I'm easy to please. Well, no, I'm not really easy to please because I hate cosmic art. <laughs> so there. But um, anyway, um, so that that's what he had to say there. We also heard from the No Swear Gamer. Now, if I might interrupt real quick just for one moment oh, here. I uh, brought up a list of games on this 161-in-1 game breakdown. It's got 97... Uh, original games and it looks like 64 game hacks a good deal of these are uh, are all king of fighter which is one-on-one fighting and there's uh, quite a few metal slug games on here and uh especially in the uh in the hacks section and uh, it's mm-hmm. actually missing quite a few games that were actually in the neo geo repertoire if you will oh wow it's missing the game irritating maze that's a fun game. It's uh, irritating. <laughs> uh, that's a game I've only seen in the arcade once. We should talk about at some point, but uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry, anyway. not sorry to interrupt. But uh, so, yeah, that's, that's what we heard from Scott. Thank you, uh, Scott. And uh, No Swear Gamer, Phil, over at uh, Atari.io, he writes... Oh, he, Phil was actually a, a, a guest on the most recent episode of uh retro league uh podcast by the way just thought i'd throw that ah. in there i just started listening to that a couple of months ago and uh i'm hooked what's what do they do on that i've heard they talk it, about uh heard. retro games uh the one of the the one host is from chicago and um ah. i can't remember their names off the top of my head and uh i heard that they actually mentioned us like sometime last year but i've been looking for the episode and i haven't been ah. able to find it so Oh, okay. Well, we just mentioned them. So, so we just mentioned uh, them. There you yes. go. Hi, our so anyway, friends uh, over there at Retro League. Uh, Jimmy G listens to hi. you and enjoy the show. And I'm going to try to get Sean to listen to you. Yeah, I really do want to listen. You know what? Um, before I leave for work tomorrow, I'm going to put that in my subscription list. So there, there you go. go. The Retro League. But F- Phil says, should I? Should I? Do- no, I, I. You know, what? I can't do a Phil voice. Like, I can't do. No, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I, 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 I got to practice. I can't that do before it. I can do that. Maybe I should read it like Sean Holly. Feedback time for gauntlet and pulpitin. Yeah, I need more practice with that. Do you have any biscuits? No. Feedback time for gauntlet and pulpitin. He spells it P-O-S-I-T-N apostrophe for some reason. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> I believe gauntlet... F- 
You know, I believe Gauntlet 4 on the Genesis was based on the original with some added enhancements, but was called 4 since it allowed four players to play at the same time, which was uncommon for the system. I did not know that. I didn't didn't know. I didn't know there was a four player thing there. It was also one of the few games that worked with both Sega's four player adapter and Electronic Arts' four player adapter. Okay, I need to interrupt. Because I just had an epiphany about something with Gauntlet 4. Uh, he was saying oh, that how tell. it works with the uh, the four-player adapters, uh, the, both the, the EA one and the, the Sega one. And that must be why it doesn't work on the, uh, the At Games Sega handheld portable system. Oh. And I've been wanting to play that on there, and I bet it doesn't oh. work on there because of that. All right, I got to ask, do we know if anybody has hacked any of the non-playable games so that they will work on that thing? Not that I am aware. I know there's been a, huh. a lot of people hacking them uh, for the Atari Flashback Portable, but uh, not the... Uh, I'm going to have to look into the Sega, Sega Retro forums. All right, I don't know why, but people were, like, practically offended by the Sega Genesis handheld. Yeah, it's because of the sound, and... Yeah, oh, the sound it's the, isn't... the same sound issue as on the Atari Flashback handheld. Yeah, and people have complained about that. I think it's just fine. Atari I mean, I'm not, you're not Everybody's playing like, full... Everybody's like, oh, wow, this is really awesome. Well, except the sound, but this is really awesome. But the Sega Genesis one, people was like, this sucks. I'm going to kill people because the sound is you off. You know, I think a lot of that, too, has to deal has to do with the fact that the, uh, the Sega uh, handheld portable has actually been around for three, four, or five years now. Whereas the Atari oh, portable is something that people something. have been clamoring for for a long time and we're just waiting for. Uh, yeah. What, they don't want to pay Ben Heck several hundred dollars? Oh, apparently not. Huh. I don't know. But anyway, uh, Phil goes on to say, from what I hear, Paul Poston, as he spells it, on a real Intellivision is not that great, yeah, but I have not. yet to play it myself. I believe the plug-and-play you were talking about was the Ms. Pac-Man version. That's the one. That didn't have Pac-Man on it. And it wasn't the joystick that turned, but rather the knob on top. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I must say that it is the best way I've found to play pole position at home. That knob works really well as a steering wheel. Mm-hmm. And he is Finally, correct. I agree with Sean agreeing with me that Ms. Pac-Man should have been the pack-in over pole position 2 for the 7800, but now I have proof. I recently read in an old 1996 issue of Electronic Gaming Monthly that Ms. Pac-Man was a top 20 hit in sales on the Sega Genesis and was popular enough to get a late release on the SNES. That just goes to show the strength of Ms. Pac-Man. And that was 10 years after the 7800 came out. It's not a knock against Pole Position 2 so much as it is a recognition of the mass appeal of Lady Pack. And uh, thank you for for sharing that Phil. I think he posted uh an image of that article. If he if he did or if anybody else did, I will link it in the show notes. I agree with Phil agreeing with me, agreeing with him that Ms. Pac-Man should have been the pack in. I don't think so because one of the criticisms that Atari was getting with the 5200 and one that they got with uh with the 7800 was that a lot of the games are stuff they had that had been seen before that had just been repackaged. And I think they needed something new that hadn't been seen. Um, I that's why that. I thought but maybe position had been seen. Well, it was technically pole position too. 
but, yeah, but it's pole position. Let's be let's that's let's true. be realistic. That's true. But uh, in in my opinion, I think they would have done good to go with maybe not so much food fight, but um, Robotron. I think would have been a decent pack in. But I really think what they should have done, and I think I heard a rumor that this was actually on Atari's parts list. But uh, I think they should have completed Crystal Castles and used that as a pack-in for the 7800. I think that would have been a big seller. Or I think that would have been a good, uh, a good. but I mean, we don't know because the prototype, if one was ever started, has never turned up. Uh, just my opinion. Or maybe Galaga, Galaga would have been a decent, you know what, that would have been a good pack-in because that had not been on any consoles and it was... That is true. And that had not been in any consoles. It was still insanely popular in the arcade at the time. In fact, I don't think that game has ever really waned in its popularity. And um, and I still don't understand what people love about that game. I, just like I, I never it. I just, will. I, I, just, I, I just think it's a fun game. No matter how you pronounce it, it's a fun game. And the only thing is that that version of that game on the 7800 uh, gets a lot of criticism for not being as good as it could be. But I think it's just fine, personally. But, you know, whatever. I think that would have, I think that would have been a better pack-in. You can continue, or not. No, I, I, I have nothing. We, we, I don't, I don't think we have any more feedback we need to address. Do we have any um, addenda and errata? Well, you know what? We have an addendum, oh. and it, I guess it counts also as an erratum because it is something we should have noticed but we didn't. Oh. And now that I think about it, I don't think any of our listeners noticed either or didn't say anything about it but there is a huge huge scramble thing that we did not talk about in episode 33 that we really need to address because it is just so effing fascinating a scramble scandal effing meaning fascinating what a scramble scandal yeah actually yes i don't know why but something compelled me to to do some deep research into the game Scramble, and I don't remember why, but there's there's got to be a reason. I got a feeling it's something coming up uh, in the weekend or something. But uh, anyway, I was doing some reading on, on Scramble, and there was a lawsuit going on between Stern and this uh, shady outfit based out of Rhode Island that was putting out clones of different games. And uh, it was one of these companies that did business under several different names, which kind of adds to the shadiness, makes it a little bit hard to uh, track down. But the company was, uh, uh, what the heck were they called? I think they're called Omni Video Games or something. Mm -hmm. And it was run by a game named Frank Gaglioni, I think. And um, he may or may not have been a mobster. All the articles I could find kind of uh, beat around the bush about that. But there was like an... I think there is like an honorary Frank Gaglioni day somewhere in Providence or something like in the nineties or something. <laughs> wow. Okay. What happened was, well, just to give you an idea of the quality of the games that th- these guys put out, there was, well, maybe not so much the quality of the games, but the quality control, I should say they put out a video game called space gorilla. Uh, that's spelled G the, the version of gorilla. That's G U E R I L L A. Not like the ape. Okay. The marketing materials went out, and there's Space Gorilla listed in there, G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A. The game comes out, and the marquee says Space Gorilla, G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A. And they had another game in which 
uh, what was, was it called? It was like Lunar Fighter or Moon Fighter or something. F I G T H E R. So that just shows you the quality control there. Okay. But anyway, like not long after Stern released Scramble in 1982. Omni Video Games released a game called Scramble. Some sources say it was called Scramble 2. Uh, I think it was like a month later, and it was basically the exact same game right down to the sounds and graphics and everything. And so, naturally, Stern filed for an injunction, Mm -hmm. and they got the injunction against Omni. And after they got the injunction, Stern found out from one of their distributors that there were still these Omni-made scramble games that were going around Tulsa and the surrounding suburbs. So they alerted the judge. The judge gave them permission to go over and uh, actually seize the games themselves. And just to be safe, they brought a federal marshal and a judge with them, I think. And there's actually a picture somewhere. I'll have to put a link to this in the show notes, but there is a picture of a pickup truck full of these knockoff scramble games being removed from Oral Roberts University. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's funny. That that's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> and then they find out from another distributor that there are more of these things popping up in New York City. New York City. So they okay, go, I'm not gonna do it. So basically the lawyer from Stern does the same thing. He rents a pickup truck gets uh, permission from a federal judge to have the games picked up, brings a federal marshal with them, goes to one location, repossesses the games, goes to another location, which is a decrepit convenience store in a really bad section of Harlem. And it goes into the store, shows the federal paperwork saying we need to repossess these games, shows to the manager. They start taking the games out. Uh, They had, for some reason, they had multiple of these scramble machines in the store. So as they're going back and forth inside and outside the store, bringing the machines to the truck and back, they get back in the store and then suddenly they hear the door lock. They turn around. There are these eight guys with a Doberman pincher. They lock the door so they couldn't get out. And they told the lawyer, if you don't want us to set this Doberman free on your ass, you're going to put those games right back. Wow. And so he and the federal marshal are like, uh, yeah, here are some legal papers here that we, we have a court order to remove these games and the guy said i don't care if you have a court order if you don't want to be this dog's supper you're going to put those games right back so the marshal says well what do you want to do and the the lawyer says you know what let them have the games i think we got the message across with when we did the tulsa raid obviously this was an innocent mistake on the part of the store owner they didn't know they were getting counterfeit merchandise so they put the games back in the store And on their way back out to the pickup truck, they were pelted by rocks from the roof of the convenience store. There were kids on the roof throwing rocks at them. Wow. Yeah. I read read some of the story when you told me about this originally, but uh, I never heard any of this stuff. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, I was just about to wrap up my research, and then I, I accidentally found out about those extra details. So it's like, whoa. Holy cow. But yeah, I mean, I, I have more details on that, but I'm not going to get into that right now. This you know, flashing back, but uh, Gee, if you want more details, say, you can listen. Where might we hear more of these details? Um, apparently, they're going to be addressing it on the Atari 7800 Homebrew podcast coming up soon. And who hosts that? Uh, apparently some lying git. Lying git. Oh, I see. And I keep, I was going to get you some feedback in for, for the scramble episode, but, uh, I keep forgetting to 7,800 scrambles, a great game, but that still does not 
relieve you of your duties from of listening to the 7800 homebrew podcast. Okay, fine, I'll listen Even to it. Even though I said that it's a great game, you're still required to listen to the Atari 7800 homebrew podcast. Ding. 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 Damn it. All right. But anywho. But anywho. Uh, as you were, Mr. Hostman. Well, you know, Sean, um, yeah. we got this uh, email on our website. Your uh, sound is weird now. It's uh, piefactorypodcast.com. And um, oh, maybe you'll resolve your sound issues didn't later. Leave names. Let's just call him Robulus. Robulus. Uh, Robulus for now. Okay. But um, it says, hey, guys. Hey. Thanks for covering one of my favorite arcade games, Gauntlet. No problem. I've sunk literally thousands of hours into this game since the 80s. Some addenda for you. Did you mention the limited invisibility power-up? Um, I think we I did. thought we did. Maybe yeah. we didn't. That's a good question. I don't know. Well, if not, we apologize. Um, very useful for sneak attacks on monsters and escaping to the exit. Also, your final score is divided by how many coins or credits you have inserted. So a 50,000-point game with five credits would be 10,000 points. Once I figured this out, I never added oh, health. I did not know that. Thank you. Um, I tested that. Maybe I'm missing something on that. Uh, if you could uh, contact us back, maybe fill us in with a few more details. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Uh, we'll look at that. Yeah, seriously, what happened to your uh, sound? Once, he figured, once I figured this out, I never added health. I would always start a fresh game. Some tips I would add are that the monster generators don't generate when they are off screen. And I did forget that. That is, uh, that is actually good advice. Oh, um, yeah. Well, yeah. I, good advice. That's good to know. I use this to my advantage when clearing levels as I ride my shots from off screen toward them. Oh, I see. Uh, he kind of figures out where the generator is. He shoots and heads that right, direction right. and it'll, uh, it'll, yeah, that's a good yeah. idea. Um, totally agree. I do that myself. Another trivia bit is that there were different ROM versions of the game with the final version, removing food from levels as your score increased. Yeah. I, this game has a lot of uh, different ROM variations. Yeah. Uh, we don't really go into different ROM variations because, quite frankly, we really don't know what are uh, bug fixes, what are game enhancements, and that sort of thing. Well, I might change that with one of the games tonight. So, uh, with the final version, removing food from levels as you score as your score increased, so you basically starve to death later on due to lack of food. I'm guessing that the guy who scored 5 million probably played an earlier version, which was the one I played most. And by the way, I was one of those kids who could also play into the millions. Really? Huh topping out at just over 5 million points with the Yay. Valkyrie. I always played alone because I wanted all the food and potions. Greedy. <laughs> it took over 10 hours back. Wow, 10, 10 hours. hours. Good grief. Uh, and I'm not sure my back could take all that standing nowadays, so I won't attempt it again <laughs> in an arcade. I totally hear you there. Uh, thanks, and keep up the awesome, awesome, <laughs> keep awesome. Up the awesome podcast. Well, thank thanks, you, Robulus. Uh, uh, contact us back uh, with your name so we can give you a proper credit. But, Unless that's uh, how you want us to call uh, you. Uh, Sean. Yes. You. You have anything to say about this? Um, No, other other than just thank you uh, so much for that feedback, Robulus. I did forget to mention, uh, there is some pretty cool music in Gauntlet as well. It's very C&C music factory in a way. But uh, hey, thanks so much, Robulus. Thank you. And he, by the way, I forgot to mention. Mm-hmm. Oh, it sounds like your sound's better. But we forgot to mention that Robulus contacted us through our contact form on piefactorypodcast.com. So glad to know that the website works. <sighs> Is that everything we have for addenda, errata, feedback, news? 
That's everything I have. Mm. Uh, do we have any more um, Nintendo Switch news or discontinuation of the uh, NES Classic? Do we have any more news about that? No, but I actually do have a little bit of Nintendo thing to talk about, but I'll get to that a little bit later. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I think with that, we should probably... Why do we do this podcast? Is it for the giggles? Is it for... what? Know. What is What is our topic? I mean, we haven't Our talked about is, pies uh, in a while. Well, that's I, I haven't had a pie in a while. Yeah, the most recent thing I had pizza, was a cake. Really? Yeah, I've, I had cake recently. It was a delicious the, cake. And I, and it had strawberries oh, and whipped too. cream. Yeah, there's a place in the in our neighborhood called Goddess and Grocer. They make excellent cake. They have rainbow cake, Ooh. which has some excellent buttercream frosting. It's like literally set, like multiple layers of different colors. And they have a uh, cookie dough cake, I think, or an Oreo cookies and cream cake. That's just amazing. You know, this isn't but, pie or cake related, but uh, you see what they have at Burger King now? Yeah, they have lar- they ha- they have large chocolate shakes that they call medium. They have uh, Kellogg's Fruit Loops shakes. It's a vanilla shake with uh, Fruit Loops crushed into it. I've yeah, I think I heard about, but you know, why did like, okay? Here, it's here's okay. something I I have to get off my chest right now. Besides my shirt, because it's kind of warm in here. Say. But all right, dude, listen. Okay, if you have two items on your menu, two sizes, one of them cannot be medium. Neither of them can be medium. Or venti. medium means middle. If you, in fact, come to think of it, you cannot have an even number of sizes and have one be medium. No, you can't. Because you have to, it has to be in the middle. That's what it means. So stop doing that. No, you can't. That's one reason I've always hated, like, when people have, like, reviews of anything where they have, like, four stars or thumbs up, thumbs down. They don't allow for any sort of nuance, I guess, as it were. Because if you have a two star movie, the movie's just okay. Or if you have four stars and the movie's just okay, I mean, three out of five stars be a middle of the road, eh, okay movie. Like two and a half stars, that's a cop out. Or what I really hate is when people say, I wish I could give this zero stars. So if the minimum is one, that's the absolute lowest you could possibly give them. How could that be any good? And if if you could give it zero stars, you'd say, I wish I could give it negative stars. So people, stop doing that crap, too. I wish I could give it an imaginary number of stars. I suppose you could do that. Square root of negative one stars? You're going to give I stars? Yeah. Oh, okay. Depends on my mood. Uh, Anyway, back to Pie Factory Podcast. So, yeah, no no, no pie news. So let's talk about some games now, shall we? I think that's what we do. Oh, we we probably might should. Yeah. We've been talking for an hour about nothing. Well, the scramble thing was kind of entertaining but uh that should have been in episode 33 but what are you gonna do what are you gonna do i mean i suppose we could go back and put it back in that episode and force people to re-release it and force people to listen to it again we have to pay a hide time and a half uh, for that. yeah that's true so let's uh, uh let's go with the uh the favorite game of the uh the people that over there at the no quarter podcast let's talk about bubbles Bubbles? Oh, you mean the Williams game that came out in 1982? Well, yes, that one exactly, my friend. All right, it could be poor research on my part, but I couldn't ascertain an exact date for 1982, but I'm guessing it was late 1982. I really don't remember how late 1982. I remember the game from uh, when it was first out, but I don't remember when that was. But um, anywho, uh, the game was designed by a couple of guys named Tim Murphy and John Kotlarik. Kotlarik, I don't know. Some may call me I'm, Tim? I don't think so, Tim. 
But uh, and they also did the audio for the game. And uh, John, I'm just going to call him John because hey, it's hey, monosyllabic, and I probably already like wasted more syllables just saying that than I ever would save. But uh, John wanted to make what he considered a non-violent game, kind of using the Pac-Man vibe, but using, instead of a maze or something with walls, just using an open space. And uh, many of you have probably heard the name Python Angelo, and he is probably most famous for his artwork for Joust. He's the one who came up with the concept of the game itself, like how it would actually be implemented, that is, you control a bubble in a sink. And he also did the artwork for the game. I wonder if he watched uh, a lot of TV commercials in the late 70s, early 80s with the, you know, douse oh, yeah. running bubbles. Because that's yeah, where I always I thought the inspiration for this game came from. And if you really want to be quite honest about it, the whole scrubbing bubbles thing was actually kind of a good idea for a game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, it's too bad they couldn't get some product placement. Yeah, no Make kidding. a little bit more money. You know? <laughs> Dangerous chemicals in your video games. Now, apparently, and this is according to Python Angelo himself, Williams rushed the game out before the dev team was really done putting in some features and things, and he said that the game could have been even better than it was. Uh, what features were those? I don't know. Could I ask Python Angelo? Yeah, except he probably won't hear me because, unfortunately, he's dead. Mm-hmm. I know, and I, I have a, a couple thought years on ago. the features, uh, a, a feature that may have been... They they may have wanted to add, and I could probably, and I'll I'll talk about that later. But I think I have an idea as to one of the features. Oh, oh okay. Speaking of features, there is a feature that is almost unique to uh, Bubbles, and that is the different style cabinets this game was in. There was the standard uh, stand up upright cabinet. There was a cabaret. There was a sit down cocktail version, and there was also another version of the stand up cabinet. And that was made by what was called Duramold, which was plastic. We, I believe we mentioned the plastic cabinets in a previous episode. Sinister. And the advantage of those plastic cabinets was that basically they're very durable, very rugged. You could crush them and they would pop back into shape, kind of like Rubbermaid, I guess. But there was a problem with those Duramold cabinets. And basically because they're plastic and by nature, plastic shrinks. And if they shrunk enough, they could permanently damage the actual game. Okay. I was just curious about something uh, when you were just talking there, when you are mentioning Duramold, and uh, I just did just a little sleuthing, and I think this is the same company, Duramold, I think is still in business. And I'm th- I think so. And, well, they have a website. It is copyright uh, 2013. It's duramold.net. And they are in Stevensville, Michigan, which not quite sure where that is. But if a Chicago company was going to get something plastic made, Michigan, Stevensville, Michigan, if that's in the Detroit metro, that's only like 200 miles. So yeah, it would make sense. Quick trip down 94, really. Yeah. So uh, that would make sense that they might be them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, let's see, they're on the west. Yeah, they're right off 94 on the west coast of. uh, of Michigan, um, they are, they're actually pretty close. They're not far, they're just a little bit over the border, just past Harbor Country. Oh, really? Yeah. That, this is probably, this is most likely the same company then. Yeah, because, um, let's see, they're... Uh, one of their industries served is consumer electronics. Yeah, I'm guessing they're, ju- uh, judging just by looking at this, they're probably about 20 miles north of New Buffalo. Oh, like the Benton Harbor area. 
Yeah, a little further north than that, I think, but I might be wrong. I love that that area of Michigan between the Indiana border and Benton Harbor. Is oh, actually, they're amazing. south. Oh, you know what? Actually, they're definitely in Harbor Country because they're south of St. Joseph. I go through, my wife and I go to New Buffalo a couple of times a year as a weekend getaway. We often drive to uh, St. Joseph. We drive through Stevensville. Oh, so that would be, let me see here. I've got the map pulled up. And we are going to New Buffalo the uh, on Memorial Day weekend. And if we do that little drive, I'll see if we go anywhere near the Duramold factory. Ah, the company, right outside whatever. Grand Mere State Park. They're just north of the town of Bridgman, Michigan, which I believe I may, I may have yep. talked about. Uh, we go beach at Bridgman, Michigan before. So, yeah, that's that's got to be the company that made the uh, the molds. That, ooh. Yeah. Ooh, I wonder if uh, somebody there was around when those cabinets were made. Hmm. Small town, 1,122 mm. oh, 1, people. That's about the size oh, that's of Mazan. pretty much true for Harbor Country, so yeah. yeah. So, wow, uh, detour. Sorry about that. <clears throat> I thought it interesting. Yeah. Well, that that is interesting, too. And, of course, there are only two other games that I'm aware of, at least, that that Williams made available in the Durham Old Cabinet. One of them was Blaster, which we need to talk about. Indeed. And the other was a very, 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 very limited number of Sinistar Cabinets. Those things are very rare. So that's basically how Bubbles was made available. As for the game itself, this is mainly for those of you who uh, never played Bubbles. Uh, from what I, all the stuff that I was reading about, they were saying, oh, this is a rare game. I don't think it's all that rare. I remember it, and it's not that hard to find if you go mm-hmm. to arcade.com, at least in the United States. There are enough places that have it. Oh, I, I don't think it was a very rare game either, but... We can get a, get to yeah. that. And it was on Starcade too. But, uh, but anyway, the premise of the game, you control a bubble, which the operation manual calls our noble protagonist, in a single valve fauceted sink. And the bubble must collect as many crumbs, which is spelled C-R-U-M-S, and it's also in quotation marks. So it's like they knew they were spelling it wrong, so they put it in quotation marks. So maybe that way they could trademark it. Oh, but the thing is, there's no trademark symbol next to him. You know, so maybe I don't know. they wanted to, but they just never got around to it. But the bubble has to collect as many crumbs, ants, and what are called greasies, which are basically big grease splotches. Collect as many of those things as possible, and you are in competition with several enemies to get that sink clean. As your bubble picks up these various things, the bubble is going to grow and once the bubble gets to a certain size, the bubble actually develops a complete face. And it's kind of a creepy face, if you ask me. If it you don't is. ask me, it's still kind of a creepy face. But uh, there are the enemies You know what it reminds me of? Br- you're, you're, have you seen the, uh, what was the old, um, oh God, Michael Keaton movie, Jack Frost. It reminds me, it was oh, where Michael Keaton turns yeah. into the, the snowman. And it kind of reminds me I never saw it, but I know of, what you're talking about. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of saying. that. Yeah, I can so see that. But uh, the enemies that the bubble is going to be encountering include brushes, sponges, a little tiny cleaning lady. I, I, I don't know how they wanted to explain that, but a cleaning lady who's about the size of the bubble. Um, <laughs> you know what would have been funny? Several roaches. Is if instead of a cleaning lady, it would have been the tidy bowl man. Yeah, right. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, There's that your might have placement. been exactly what they wanted, but um, you know they might not have been able to work out a deal or something, but I don't know. I don't know. But carry on. But um, the bubble cannot touch a sponge or a brush unless the bubble has a complete face. 
And uh, what happens if the bubble touches the sponge or brush while having a complete face is that brush or sponge will be knocked across the sink and the bubble will be downgraded a little bit of a notch too. So that might actually take the complete face off the bubble. But uh, uh, there's a cool little feature in there is that you can actually knock a sponge or a um, brush into the drain and get some bonus not points that easy, way. Not horribly easy to do, but it's... It is not easy. But uh, no. it can be done. Most, most of the times it, it happens when you're not meaning for it to happen. Yeah, that's that's so true. The other enemy that the bubble can safely touch is the roach, but, but the bubble needs to have the cleaning lady's broom first. What you got to do is you as the bubble, you have to run, you basically have to run the bubble over the cleaning lady when the cleaning lady is on the screen. The only thing is you actually have to attack the broom head on. If you like, say, run over the cleaning lady from, say, on t- f- like from her head or from her back, you are not going to get the broom. That explains that. I was wondering yeah, how that it, worked. It, I thought it was only like when she first came out and she was like writing it, but then after a while, she actually does an animation where she's like sweeping with it. And um, I, it's, it seemed to me like you could, couldn't get it when she was sweeping, but then I got it from her when that, uh, when that happened, and I was like wondering what the deal was with that. So that's good to know. I had no clue. Yeah, that drove me nuts because all I could find was, oh yeah, you got to get the broom, the broom from the cleaning lady, but it doesn't actually give you that much detail. But that's what you got to do. I was trying all kinds of combinations before I finally figured it out. But that's yeah, you basically have to go directly to the broom. When you have the broom, you can basically knock over a cockroach and get a thousand points for that. And uh, once you knock out a cockroach, you no longer have the broom and you can get another broom if the cleaning lady comes back. Oh, by the way, one thing I should say is aiming the broom at the cockroach is very, very, very tricky and difficult because it has to be at just the exact angle. And sometimes the cockroach attacks you from weird angles and mm-hmm. you literally cannot reach on your eight-way joystick. So good luck with that, everybody. But uh, what else do I have to say? Oh, there may also be razor blades in the sink and you can never, ever, ever, ever touch those things unless you want to lose a life. Yay. And uh, what happens is at the beginning of the level, there are some sponges, brushes, and razors, and the cockroaches will appear in the sink later on. And you know a cockroach is about to appear if the drain flashes red. That is a warning that there is about to be a cockroach coming out of the drain. And when the bubble has a complete face, the drain flashes green, which is basically your indicator that it is now safe to enter the drain. If you ever enter the drain without having your complete face, you lose a life. Whoa, that's deep. I know. Think about that, man. If you do enter the drain when you have a complete face, the level is over, and then the sink basically rinses the entire sink clean, and the bubble goes to a different sink. And um, the other way to end the level, by the way, is simply to have the entire sink already clean. You don't actually have to go into the drain yourself. By that, I mean anybody can clean the sink, whether it's you, whether it's the cleaning lady, whether it's the brushes and the sponges, whatever. As long as that sink is perfectly clean, the level is over, or uh, providing you have a complete face. If you don't have a complete face, the level starts over. I don't like losing a life in this game, but what I do like when you do lose a life 
is that the level starts over from the beginning, except you maintain whatever size you last had. So you might be only just one item away from having a complete face. Oh, yeah. So that's pretty cool there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, that's pretty much the game right there. Um, you get three lives, and supposedly the factory default settings will allow you to get an extra life after 25,000 points. Uh, truth is, I have never seen an extra life, and I can routinely get over 30,000 points. And In fact, my highest score so far is a hair over 46,000 but I've never seen an extra life, so I think somebody's lying. I've seen to me. extra lives. I've gotten extra so. lives in the game. I can't remember exactly at what point the threshold, but I have. I, I think my highest score to date is like one hundred and thirty-two thousand. And uh, dang, I, I used to love this game, but we'll talk about it that little little huh. bit. Um, sure. But you know what? What's going to happen? We're going to release the episode. Then suddenly, I'm going to start seeing extra oh, lives again or something. And then. But, uh, oh, something that I learned, apparently you can hack a Joust or Stargate or Robotron. Hold on. This week in Robotron. Okay. As I was saying, apparently you can hack a Robotron Stargate or Joust cabinet so that it will play bubbles. And there are actually instructions on how to do that. Circa 1994, actually, I think. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Hmm. But what modifications you can make to said machines to turn it into I'm a bubble? I'm kind of curious about that myself because it seems to me like that would be uh, not as easy a conversion to do. Yeah, why would you want to do that? Especially Stargate because just Stargate only has a two direction joystick, right? Yeah. Well, Defender too. Oh, yeah, you, and, and you didn't say Defender and Joust. And Joust, yeah, Joust does too. Hmm. And this requires an eight-way joystick. I don't know. Let's maybe some of the instructions are put an eight-way joystick into the control panel. Yeah. I, I, I would I think know. I didn't actually read the instructions because I'm not particularly interested. It, in I doing think there that, have been some official uh, conversion kits from manufacturers that have had completely, totally different control panels, too, though. Well, that's true. And also, there was a Williams multi-game uh, cabinet that did include oh. bubbles. An official Williams product? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I did not yeah. know that. And uh, something just really sticks out to me is like when I was preparing for this episode, in fact, even when I played the game at Galloping Ghost before, I played it there several times, I realized this is really weird that this is a Williams game because Williams, you expect some kind of like sci-fi thing going on, like jousting on buzzards and ostriches or you know, you know robots, things like that. But this is nothing like that. It's basically... A yeah. sink. I mean, it's totally not what you would expect. Well, here's from a my Williams thought on game. it. Um, Williams did have a few whimsical games around that time frame. I'm thinking Joust uh, specifically. But the one thing that gets me uh, with this game, which makes it think you think this is a Williams game, is the f- and, and it's not licensed too. By the way, I have to mention that uh, this is an actual in-house yeah. Williams game. Williams did license a few games, and uh, they have a real popular one we've not talked about and another one which you're going to talk about sooner rather than later. But um, the Defender, Robotron, Joust, Stargate, that was like their big four, you know? And then you have Bubbles. All the other games against a black background. Yeah, it's very jarring to see the difference. With a, a, a happy light and dark blue background. That you, you, yeah. the, my first thing is like this can't this has got to be either a Midway or an Atari game because all of those companies had their fair share of games with uh, with you know black backgrounds. Uh, they also put out games with multicolor backgrounds, especially Midway. 
so I mean that was the first jarring thing because and even some of their later games like Turkey Shoot and uh, uh, yeah. it was pretty much like back you know black back in black Sinistar is another one Sinistar was another one uh, total back black background yeah, the thing, and they all sounded alike too they all had similar sounds Bubbles is completely um, different I would say that they have some similarity especially in the sound effects of going down the uh, going down the drain. I wouldn't say they're completely different. I, th- I would say they're different enough, but I think the, the, the more, the bigger difference in the game between the rest of William's, um, oh, what's a good French word I could use? Uh, chapeau. Yes, against um, all of the rest of William's chapeau, as it were, is uh, is the graphics, because you don't expect anything this cartoony or colorful to come from Williams. Yeah, right. You know what, though? The other games, Sinistar, well, maybe not just, but Sinistar, Defender, Robotron, those are all kind of like, think about, those are all downer games. I mean, they're based on downer concepts. Yeah, right. Bubbles is a happy game. It is, but I, I kind of disagree with the assertion that it's a nonviolent game. I mean, you're being attacked. Well, I'm not you're saying it's attacked, non-vi- like- not nonviolent. Oh, but that they wanted something that was nonviolent. Yeah. Yeah, you're being attacked. You have roaches coming after you. You have evil sponges and evil brushes. Those are evil characters. This you're not, is not, you're not non-violent. killing people. Well, and, un- unless you consider collecting the, the cleaning lady killing people. And you got to dodge razor blades. They put razor blades up outside of prisons. Ugh. I mean, it's not freaking Mortal Kombat, but you know. you're you're not you're not causing the violence. The violence is being caused against you. Yeah, but there's still violence. There's so. still violence, but At you're least, not the one causing like, it. Like the same concept was behind Nibbler. Have a nice non-violent game. There's no violence in it. The only thing wrong is you might crash into yourself. That's not violence. It's an, it's an accident. You know? Well, no, it's still not violent. I mean, there are no enemies in Nibbler other than the timer, as we had talked about before. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, like, you really need to read the instructions on these game panels when you play them, because for the longest time, I thought the cleaning lady was a wicked witch or something. Well, she comes out, <laughs> she's riding the broom. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's crazy, but... Uh, I'll get you my pretty and your little anyway, bubble, um, too. Let's talk about the numbers of points you can get for different things. Yes, if you let's get talk. A, if you collect a crumb, C-R-U-M, of course, that it gives you 100 points. If you pick up a ant, that's 150 points. And if you pick up a greasy, that's 200 points. And um, if you pick any of those things up right along the edge of the drain, and I didn't know this until I did the research, you actually get double the points. That's a right around the edge of the drain is a real dangerous place to oh, yeah. to hang out. Not just necessarily because of the roaches coming out, but it seems to me that uh, the game does tend to place razor blades really close to the uh, to the drain. I think th- it seems to me they're random though. They're random, but to, maybe it's just my perception. Maybe I've just know. got the bad luck of the draw, but it does seem that they tend to cluster a little more toward the drain. And uh, let's see, if you run over the cleaning lady with your bubble, you get um, a variable amount of bonus points. Um, this, it starts out at 500, and then the value progressively goes up from there. Uh, I believe it's whenever she sweeps something up, it adds to the bonus points, or it might be by the second, I don't remember for sure. And there's an end-of-level bonus in which you get a 1,000 times, however many times the bubble enlarged to get to its current size. So I think that's what I had to say about that. Um, something else that I realized, there are three different ROM sets for this game. There's the oh. standard one, 
Uh, there's the prototype. I actually played the prototype, and I honestly couldn't tell the difference between that and the released version. So I don't know. Uh, is this feedback bait? Could be. And, and there's nobody, a, nobody takes our feedback bait, though. Have you noticed this? Well, you have to have people listen to you first. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, And there's also what's called the Red Label ROM set, which kind of continues the Williams tradition of attaching colors to different ROM sets. And um, unfortunately, I totally forgot to play the Red Label ROM set, so uh, <laughs> I don't know the difference. <laughs> this might be an addenda um, slash errata for um, episode 55, perhaps. This is episode 54, in case we haven't mentioned that. So not only is it not a red letter day, but it's not a red label day either. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, you, you know what? We should talk about the home versions of Bubbles. Oh, sure. Okay, I'm done. Yeah, me too. Yeah, because there weren't any, except for, unless you want to count those like uh, Williams multi-hit thingy collection. In fact, the, very, the, the first time I saw it was the... It's interesting because um, I think the very first, I could be wrong on this, the very first package of emulated arcade games that was commercially available, I think, was the Williams Arcade Classic for MS-DOS. And I had that, and I think I actually still have that disc to this day. Uh, In fact, if I have it, it will be right here in my drawer. He's going to check his drawers for a disc. Yeah, he's going to check it. He's going to check his drawers oh, for bubbles. Oh, and how about that? Here it is. I'm surprised I found it so easy. Let's see what the date on this puppy is. If I can shut this drawer. Get in there, you Buntu. <laughs> I see what you Even did though there. I pronounced it wrong. What is copyright on this? Uh, 1995. Wow, so that's almost 20 years ago. Yeah, and... Uh, it, it's probably uh, emulated, right? Oh, it's definitely emulated. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, because see... they're. Oh man, Atari seventy eight hundred homebrewers get some uh, bubbles going on. Oh, and speak, and you might have a little bit of difficulty doing this in the Atari seventy eight hundred because there's a challenge here, and that is the way that the bubble controls. Because the way the bubble works is it kind of sl- continues to slide. There's like a little less friction than normal. Basically, what happened was the folks at Williams were trying to emulate an analog joystick with a digital joystick. It's kind of like, okay, it's kind of like that uh, Mario Brothers when Mario's on the ice, I guess. Yeah. That's how it controls. Like, it, it Instead of stopping the bubble, the bubble's going to decelerate. Well, I some people were thinking that uh, it was uh, to emulate. I'm not saying you're wrong, but some but early reviews of the game... Uh, when it was first released in the arcade, thought it was about, uh, was to, um, yeah, uh, this is actually a DOS package. Uh, now that I think, going back to that thing, uh, it just happens to have Windows, uh, you know, icons. Anyway, uh, but people are thinking it was trying to emulate the soapy feel of a bubble. And uh, you yes, were mentioning yes. earlier how they were wanting to add features to this game. Yes. And uh, I actually mentioned this uh, when... Uh, no quarter did this game low those years ago that I'm thinking one of the features they wanted to implement, but didn't was trackball control. I, I was thinking this would have been a great trackball game. It, this game has trackball written all over it. And yet it has a joystick at the very least. It could have used the 64 way joystick like Sinistar had. So where did you say you first saw this again? You know, I cannot remember. It's between one of two places. Uh, and I, 
It was either the Putt Putt Golfing Games on Lark or on uh, Larkin. No, there were no arcades on Larkin Avenue in Joliet. Oh hell no! Uh, at the Putt Putt Golfing Games on Essington Road in Joliet, Illinois, or and I think this is probably where I saw it first, was the uh, the arcade in Hometown Square at at the then Marriott's Great America in Gurney, Illinois, which is this would be the first time I also saw Food Fight and Congo Bongo, so. It was one of those two places, and Bubbles was a game that I would always go back to, and I still play it to this day. Uh, it's 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 one of my go-to games. Uh, I'm not, eh, I, I'm not horribly good at it. Uh, I'm, I'm let's let's be honest. I say I'm not good at at most of these games. I'm not going to get a world record on any game. <laughs> no, that's just not going to happen. But I play and I have fun, and that's what matters. And I have fun playing Bubbles. I do too. I really, I really enjoy Bubbles. In fact, I'm going to tell you right now. I give Bubbles four continues. And I'm going to tell you right now, um, as soon as I get the spreadsheet up, that I'm going to give it four continues also. Ah, yeah. I don't understand. Like, why there are so many people who don't like it, unless maybe they expect something different from Williams. I don't know. I think a lot of it has to do with the control. The control the, is part of the game. The control is part of the game. And, I, and as I said, I think it would could definitely be improved if it was... This would be an easily a five-continue game if the control was a trackball. My personal opinion on that. I think it's got the right formula. It's a cutesy game, which... But, I mean, you were right. The, the bubble smiley face does look pretty damn creepy. They should have redesigned that. But uh, it's a cutesy game, and, um, you know, I... Well, cutesy razor blades notwithstanding... And the uh, theme song, you know, when they start the game up, leaves a little to be desired. I think they could have redone the audio. I think they could have put a different tune in there. Blowing bubbles out of the window, chewing bubble gum and big bubbles. But uh, for the most part, I think it's a fine. I, I think it's a fine game. It's fun. It's cheery. It's nice sound effects. And uh, if you play the game right, you can easily score many, many bonus points on this thing. So um, yeah, it's a, I like it. Yeah. Fun game. Yeah, that might explain some of these scores that I saw. Like, um, let's see. According to Twin Galaxies, for example, uh, Greg Elizondo, who uh, verified on October 16th, 2015, scored 1,615,980. That's a lot. And that, and that beat out a world record that had existed for 30 years. And um, Orcade.com shows something a little bit more conservative. They show that uh, James White, on April 9th, 2017, scored 714,260 on bubbles at Galloping Ghost Arcade, of course. Oh, of course. And uh, where I first saw it, honestly, <sighs> my eyes first saw a bubbles on Starcade when I was watching Starcade. That's I remember it very well from that. And um I no I don't remember actually seeing it in person until I went to Galloping Coast. It just wasn't again, I didn't get to the arcades much when I was a little kid. Just uh, right. the, I just saw the games at Kroger and at the Aladdin's Castle. Well, Lincoln to be Mall, fair, I don't think you had a lot of arcades down in Kankakee back then. In the uh, Meadowview Shopping Center, there was Wizard of Games. Oh. My brother my brother went there a lot. It was right next door to the JCPenney, and my parents would never take me there, ever. Which I believe the where the pad where the JCPenney was is now torn down. Oh, really? That's an interesting shopping center, that one. No, um, it's not. Well, in certain respects, it was. Yeah. Uh, but the... Um, 
And there was also uh, Stargaze, which was uh, wh- where that Kroger used to be. That's now a Riverside uh, place you, or whatever. When, I know you were you were you were young, a youngin yeah. when you lived out there. But was Galaxy Lanes still there? Gala Lanes, Gala Lanes? and they had and they had an arcade called Galaxy, Galaxy World. World. Yeah, also, there was a Gala Lanes Gal- with Galaxy World in Naperville, Illinois, as well. Yeah, and I've never been to that. So I've been uh, to but, both of them. But yeah, there actually. was a Stargaze like in that strip that had the Kroger. There were two other stores. There was like a. There were two or three other stores. There was a Hallmark store and there was a Stargaze arcade. I actually went there once and uh-huh. it was a pretty cool place. And uh, huh. there was an, and right after Stargaze went up, there was an ice cream joint that went up next to it called Sun Days, D A Z E. See what they, what they did, there? did there? Yes. Yeah. Uh, awesome. What were we talking so, about? Oh, yeah, bubbles. Bubbles. bubbles, bubbles. Yes. So I, I remember seeing bubbles quite a few places. Uh, I only ever remember playing it at Great America and uh, and uh, Putt Putt. Uh, I don't think the Aladdin's Castle and Joliet ever had it. I don't remember really? it being there. Any of our listeners uh, from the Joliet area, correct me if I'm wrong on this one. Uh, oh, who was it? Um, the the one listener we have, a friend of mine from Shorewood. Um, uh, Shlomo McCarthy. Shlomo McCarthy. Uh, Mike Bowler. Mike Bowler. Uh, he corrected me on uh, on something about Aladdin's castle when we were talked about that a while back. Uh, I believe I mentioned talked about it. Um, he uh, he apparently hung out at the arcade too. Uh, but um, hmm, Rory Coleman hung out there too. Now that I think about it, we were in the same cl- uh, same class in high school, and we have the same birthday and all. So yeah, I don't ever remember seeing Bubbles there. That that arcade, the Aladdin's castle, did get some games that I had never seen other places like. Uh, Astron Belt and Vegas Battle and and, and iRobot um, and Firefox and Firefox and I would kill to play a Firefox or iRobot machine again. iRobot's one of my f- we we, we got to talk about iRobot sooner rather than later. And I got an idea of what to pair it up with. Oh, uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, uh, absolutely love this game. Love it, love it, love it, love it. It's 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 just fun. My kids, my kids have a blast with this game. Uh, sometimes I'll play it and then they'll see me playing it. Oh, can I play this? And, uh, they just, they, they have a blast with this one. So, uh, it's, it, it's weird when you have teenagers interested in playing a game that's all about cleaning. Kind of like, uh, went the virtual, uh, what is it? The virtual hedge trimmer that the Simpsons went to. I don't and, remember and that. And Marge was like, I have yard work that needs to be done at home. <laughs> that's, that's true. Uh, more people would rather play the arcade game Paperboy than actually delivering papers. Um, Except Ferg. Well, yeah, that's true. And you know what? I wanted to submit something for his newspaper thing because I had a paper route. And then really? I wanted to submit something for his uh, his bat thing because I have some stories about bats. And um, I should still do that, though, even though that's long gone. So I had a paper route, too. I did not. I did. So, at any rate. So, yeah. Right. yeah. Bubbles, two... two Two four continues. One two four, four continues. Two four, but two uh, <clears throat> break break. Two four, good buddy. So uh, yes, yeah, great game, love it. Yeah, and, uh, and and the cool thing is like here I I'm I'm on my way to work. I'm playing bubbles with my uh, GPDXD. I've um, got to get me one Android of those. Thing. Those, that's a really cool thing. And here I am thinking, okay, which button does it? Like, oh, wait, there's only a joystick. That's all you need. Yeah, there, there's, there's a lot to be said for games that just use a joystick. Yeah, 
just neatly joined. And the, the control panel is really weird. That was weird. Control panel. Control panel. What happened to my voice there? But the, the control panel is kind of interesting in that if you look at it, it looks like an ambidextrous control panel with fire buttons on it. But it's because the player one and the player two button are on opposite sides of the control panel. And, and I love on the uh, on the artwork, on the control panel, uh, they have the bubble holding his arms out with the one finger up for next to the one player button and two yes. fingers holding up next to the two. It doesn't even say, I don't believe it even says one player or two player. Just, he's just holding the one finger up and the two players. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Up. And he's no less creepy than he is in the, in the actual game. He's a little bit more pleasant looking, but you know, Stalin was a little bit less evil than Hitler or no, that's, vice that's, versa. That's, that's debatable. Very well might be true. I don't know. But uh, hey, that's all I had to say. We rated it. We talked about where we first saw these games, Sore. as some people say. Yeah, that's for our East Coast friends. Sorry. Sorry. Well, that's for our Canadian friends. Sorry. So, well, I guess that means uh, the ball's in my court now, even though we're not talking about Pong or Super Breakout, uh, Bill. Um, or Breakout. Or Breakout. Or Super... Or, or GB. Or GB. Oh, no, actually, no, GB isn't a court game. It's a pinball game. Yeah, I have no clue what you're talking about. But hey, that's never stopped me before. So uh, why don't we talk about... Ah, uh, Bubbles. Yay, Bubbles. Yay, Bubbles. We uh, forgot to do that. Oh, we forgot about the yay. Ah, uh, yay, Bubbles. Or how about... Ah, uh, yay, make tracks. Ah. Uh. Yes. Ah, uh, yay, make Can tracks. Can we talk about uh, Crush make... Roller instead? I like that game better. Uh, sure, why not? Uh, well, I should probably give some information about Make Tracks, though. Make Tracks uh, was released in November of 1981 by Williams Electronics. Yes, another Williams Electronics game, although uh, the fact that these are both Williams games aren't isn't the theme because uh, Make Tracks is actually a licensed game called Crush Roller, which was released in October of 1981 by Kural, Kural? Electric Limited. Yeah, so yeah, Make Tracks Crush Crush Roller. Uh, Crush Roller, has, Make Tracks Crush Roller has a four-way joystick, and the object of the game is to paint the maze before one of the two fish kill you. Fish. Uh-huh. So what we have for enemies, we have one fish, two fish, yellow fish, blue fish. And I, Sean went off to the tinkle pit for a little bit, and I was hoping to use that joke while he was here, but I... Nah, no reactions. Anyway... <clears throat> These enemies, uh, the fish in this game, do appear at, to actually be smarter than the ghosts in Pac-Man. And uh, because, the, because of the difficulty, it does seem to make this a bit of a harder game than Pac-Man, even though there's only two fish, um, two enemies. Now, there are other enemies in the game, so to speak. Uh, they're bonus enemies, and um, they leave tracks or droppings or what have you in the maze that you have to repaint over or clean up. And... Um, there are six of them. They each start in different sections of the maze, and they each come out at a, on different levels. And I'm going to go... Uh, I go I'll go counterclockwise. Uh, starting in the upper left corner of the maze, there is a, a bird comes out of there. He leaves droppings all over the maze. He starts on level three. Uh, below that is a cat. Uh, he puts his little grubby paw prints all over the maze. He's, he's the first one that comes out. He starts out on level one. And then there's another cat below that one. And he, again, leaves tracks, starts on level five. Then to the lower right corner of the maze comes out a mouse, and he starts leaving his tracks on level two. Uh, above that is a truck. 
and a tire pops off the truck, and it rolls around the maze and leaves tire tracks around the maze. Uh, he starts on level four, and finally above that, it looks like an empty square um, above that, except if you look closely, there's little footprints in the box. Yes, that's a ghost cat, and he leaves tracks starting on level six. Uh, these bonus enemies will keep going through the maze until you kill them uh, by just walking into them, or until they return to their starting box on the maze. Um, that happens after a certain amount of time. If you die when a bonus enemy is on the screen, the tracks he laid do not disappear. They stay in the maze. However, the bonus enemy immediately does reappear on the screen, leaving new tracks. Now, the maze has two sets of tunnels on each side, and they, you know, they take you to the other side of the screen. Um, they don't slow down the enemy like they do in Pac-Man. They just, the enemies do come right for you, uh, you know, as per normal. Uh, there are two overpasses in the game, and they go ah, over yes. different. They go, <laughs> they go over different passages of the maze. Uh, one is horizontal, and that one goes between the two aquariums where the fish come out, and the other one is horizontal uh, below that. And at the end of each of these overpasses is a what I've heard some people call a rake, uh, but is really a crush roller. Oh, and I forgot to mention the bonus enemies leave tracks. I think that's why this game is called Make Tracks in the U.S. And uh, the roller at the edge, end of the overpass is why it's probably called Crush Roller and why it's a roller and not a rake, as I've heard it referred to in some books in the past. Um, I remember uh, there was a Ken Houston book about uh, beating arcade games that uh, was the first place I ever heard this game talked about. I hadn't seen it in the arcade up to that point as of yet. But, I'd uh, heard it talked about, but well, well, I'll get to that later. Yeah, but um, I digress. So when you push a rake, the rake the ro the roller gives you a temporary speed boost which is another reason why i think it's a roller and not a rake because a rake would should slow you down uh and you can roll over the fish to kill them and then after a while they'll reappear in their aquariums at the top in the top third of the screen in the top third of the maze when you move your brush around the maze anywhere you can change direction whenever you want to i mean you're going left ah, i want to go right now well you can do that the exception of when you're pushing one of the rollers you cannot reverse direction when you're pushing a roller. And you have to remember that because after a while, especially after you kill so many of the fish, the second you hit a roller, they reverse direction. And the second you let go, they'll come right back for you. And uh, yeah, that uh, can make it uh, make the game kind of tough trying to, uh, trying to time it. But uh, it's, good to, it's a good to use to get away from the fish if you need a little speed boost. Here's an interesting thing about this game game and i did not realize this until i was playing it uh in mame over the last couple of weeks and i've played this game off and on for i don't know for for years since i first Do saw tell. It, that there is a, a game element which changes the way this game plays embedded in the dip switch settings i have never seen this before i mean dip switch settings you generally have the difficulty you know easy num easy medium hard whatever sometimes it'll have a, a list of numbers and it affects enemy speed or intelligence or whatever and then you'll have a dip switch say for number of lives or credits for per game or whatever but this game hides an actual play element and it's warp holes it's what a warp hole in MAME, I noticed there was a dip switch setting for warp holes. And if you turn it on, every now and then, a black hole will open up in the maze, and if you run over it, you will reappear in another place in the maze. An huh. actual gameplay element, not a difficulty setting. A, a, 
a gameplay element, something that you would see maybe in a exciting new Make Tracks Plus, you know. It's not something that you would think would be hidden in a dip switch setting, and I was kind of taken aback by that. And the only other thing I've ever really been taken aback by, we discussed in the Terminator 2 episode, where we talk, where I talk, saw about the minimum guaranteed playtime. Yeah. Which I kind of thought was weird. Well, but, you uh, actually said Terminator 2 without adding Judgment Day. I've never heard you do that before. Really? Well, you know, I'm 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 wacky that way. Um so yeah, I thought that was weird about the warp hole feature. Like I said, that's an actual gameplay feature, not a difficulty setting. I don't know. The mazes are each a, like a light gray color. And there are three different colors you paint the maze. Depends on the level. Uh, there's only three colors. The first, the first level you paint is green. You have to paint the, you know, the maze green. The second one, it's a light pink. Uh, maybe not as light as as I was originally thinking, but uh, this, the light pink maze can cause some problems, uh, which I'll get to in just a moment. And the third maze is an orange, and then it just, you know, repeats there f- with the green color. On the screen, the lower left end of the screen. We'll show you how many paint brushes you have left. Uh, just represents, you know, with a paintbrush. And the lower right uses a fish to indicate which level you're on. Uh, one thing I did find in my uh, research of this game, and it really looked painfully obvious, and I should have seen this uh, when I was originally going into this, but this game is actually based on Namco hardware. Uh, if you if you really well, first of all, it's when you power it up in name is it says it's Namco uh, the very minimum Namco audio hardware, but the the uh, the fonts they use for the scores are the same, the uh, the way that it's set up where it has your lives at the lower left and the level you're on indicated by whatever at the lower right is the same. When you power it on and you see uh, like the the grid test pattern, it, it's definitely based on Namco hardware. Uh, which I find interesting, which tells me that maybe that Namco hardware was just licensed out for for whatever reason, because I don't think if this was a pirate game, uh, Williams would have licensed it. Uh, But you never know. You never know. So that was actually going to go in the trivia section, but uh, hey, I'm telling it to you now. We we have Uh, a trivia section? Yeah, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. You never know. But I have trivia section in my notes. I don't mention it because it's trivial. (laughs) <laughs> um so I see what you scoring you get 10 points per unpainted or footprint tire track dropping whatever uh mess segment that you clean up uh killing the fish this is interesting the scoring for killing a fish goes 50 points 100 points 200 400 800 1600 3200 6400 and a maximum of 9,000 points now there's a twist to this level one starts at 50 you know 50 and then it goes up the scale Level two of the game starts at 100 and goes up the scale. Three starts at 200 until eventually you get so far in the game where you get a maximum of 9,000 points for each time you kill a fish. Hmm. If you get that far in the game. <laughs> um, uh, guess who didn't? <laughs> me neither. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, uh, if you capture or uh, well, capture, if you kill the uh, the creature that's messing up the maze, uh, you get a, a, a standard thousand points for that, which that seems kind of, eh, I don't know. I guess they have the, all have the same movement, but the, the pain in the ass that those things cause by messing up the maze kind of, uh, you think you should probably get more points, but they always come out in the same order as I was mentioning earlier. So if you know where to be when the maze is about now two thirds completed, 
you shouldn't really have a problem with that too much. Now, as I said earlier, this game is no also known as Crush Roller, but uh, it also was known as Korosuke Roller. And there are two bootlegs, Paint Roller and Magic Brush. There was only ever one port of this game, and it was called Brush Roller, and it's on the Famicom. Uh, interesting story. Uh, I said earlier I was oh, going to make mention of NES. Uh, several years ago, I don't know if I ever brought this up uh, on the on the podcast, but several years ago, uh, I was informed on Atari, or there was a thread on Atari Age about a 101 uh, game plug-and-play unit that you could get at <clears throat> my employer's, uh, one of their retail outlets, and um, you could only get it there. And uh, the item is called the Scenario 100 in 1 Plug and Play. Uh, scenario spelled S E N A R I O, no C in it. And I just so happened to find one at, uh, a, at one said retailer that actually uh, is in right outside the neighborhood I grew up. And um, it had a lot of. Um, possibly illegal games and i still can't believe to this day that my employer actually sold this in their stores but uh, we'll leave that as it were and it was basically an nes on a chip emulated system with actual nes titles on it hmm. and it had stuff like the mario games it had burger time it had contra it had all of the big ones and it had brush roller on it so i've been i have i've actually played the NES, or the Famicom, I should say, uh, version of Brush Roller on my TV, I guess still illegally, but, you know, I, hey, you know, whatever. Uh, the device still works, but I have some problem with the uh, with the batteries making contact. I've got to figure out what's up with that, but it still works. And uh, if you can find one of these, it's an interesting device. Uh, I would highly recommend picking it up. There's uh, for just the selection of titles on it. But at any rate, as far as brush roller on this thing goes, the scoring is wacky. Uh, home, most home versions of games from, especially like the Atari era, because of the limited amount of memory. Well, really, Atari didn't really have memory. It had, it had cycles. Uh, a lot of the scoring was just like weird because for whatever reason, and the scoring on brush roller on the any or I'm sorry, on the Famicom was the same. And oh yeah, um, the uh, the arcade uh, crush roller slash make tracks. It was like a nice, it was like a black background, but it had some cartoony elements to it. And, a, you know, like a night and say what you will about the background, the graphics, at least it wasn't an unpleasant color scheme, but the brush roller on the Famicom is just the pleasant color scheme of brown and yellow. Wow. Yeah. And it, uh, brush roller sucks ass, so to speak. So we know where that brush has been. Oh, there was one other version of uh, Crush Roller, and it was actually Crush Roller, not Make Tracks, available for a home system. There was a version of the game for the Neo Geo co uh, Pocket Color. Or Color Pocket? Pocket Color? No, I it think was it's the, Pocket Color. I think it's Pocket Color. And uh, basically, it, it, from what I saw in the video, I didn't emulate it or play it. I probably should have, but I just really I only found out about this uh, version today. Uh, it looks... Obviously, the graphics are enhanced. It is Neo Geo, after all. Uh, the gameplay looks the same. It does have a different maze every level, it seems to me. And it uses the... Um, what was it? We were talking about it in the uh, the Puzzle Bobble episode, the Bust a Move episode, where you could select you know, which uh, like world you want to go to or next set of puzzles or whatever. It has that sort of a selection uh, a thing with it as well. 
And I'm going to go give, I'm going to try to give that one a whirl just to see what it's like, because it does look interesting. So, um, yeah, there you go. Uh, maybe we'll link to a video of it in the show notes. You don't know. You might, we might not. It's a mystery. One huge criticism I have about this game. It's, it's, it's a maze and it's a, it's, I would say fairly complex looking maze. It's kind of, it's, it's not symmetrical, but, uh, you know, when you're painting, you know, and you're going down an aisle, you're going down whatever hall, whatever you want to call it, and you turn, the paint will turn with you. It'll, it'll, it'll look like a curve. There have been many times when I've been playing this game and I've thought I've finished the level, but it wasn't going to the next screen until you look. There are times when you'll turn, like I said, you'll turn a corner and there'll be like a little unpainted little bit of oh, white. Oh, yeah. Yep. And you have to look for that. And that is a special, on the, the green level and the orange level, the first and third levels, not so much a huge problem. On the pink level, you really got to look for that. There was one time where I was just barely treading water trying to figure out why it was on the one of the pink levels. And just because I was playing it on my laptop and because of the way the screen was, the, the pink screen looked a lot lighter pink than than what it did, does on my desktop computer. And... Um, I could not find this little unpainted corner. You really, really have to watch out. Watch, watch out, out for, for what? That. Snakes? Watch out for snakes. Watch out for unpainted corners. Ooh. Hmm. I'll have to find a filter to put that through to make it sound like a movie. But, um, so yeah, the I think the unpainted corners thing is a little, little bit of a cheap, little bit of a cheap thing, especially when given the difficulty of this game. This is not really an easy game. Although I did notice, I did play this a little bit with cheats on, as, as I've discussed before. And for some reason, I just let my... This is one of those games where you push the joystick in a direction. You know, he'll keep... Your, your, your player will keep moving in that direction until it hits a wall or you hit the joystick in another direction, uh, like, uh, like Pac-Man. So there was one point where I just let my paintbrush go up against the wall. And I noticed that once I did that, the fish kept bouncing between two spots in the maze, and so did at that. When I did that, uh, I had one of the uh, the bonus enemies out on the screen as well, and it did the same thing. So there's, I'm of the opinion this game can be beat with a pattern. Hmm. I'm not convinced 100%, but just given my experience of having the invincibility cheat on, does make me tend to think that direction. That's really the the, the gameplay. All the trivia. We, none of these games that we're talking about really had any had, didn't have any American home releases on classic consoles. No. Uh, that's not the theme, by the way. And um, what do you think of this game? Yeah, it's okay. And um, I th part of me wants to think that this came out to ride the coattails of Pac-Man, which I think it did, because you have a lot of the same thing. You got to basically. Well, it's actually it's closer to Munch Man now that I think about it, which itself rides the coattails of Pac Man. Well, and, the fact uh, that I also mentioned that this is also seems to be on Namco hardware yeah. and does have sort of similar scoring right. to Pac Man kind of you know throws that in there. And the mechanics are similar. I mean, of course you ha you do have that kind of multi level thing going on, but something just hit me. It's also like Qbert in a way. Because you have to change, you have to change colors, and uh, yeah, actually, that's the only way you can. I know. I think about it, forget it. It's not like Cubert, but um, I don't know. It just seemed to. I, I got bored with it really quickly. 
Well, graphically speaking, this game isn't any great shapes. Let, let's be honest. The fish in this game aren't anything innovative. They're, they're, they're like a big so what. There are fewer colors I would... Well, no. There aren't, aren't many... M- more colors in the ghosts and pac-man the ghosts and pac-man are three colors you got the the pupil uh the you know the white around the eyes and the actual color of the ghost the fish in this game have basically the outline in one other color yet with having so few colors there's more personality in the characters of the ghosts in pac-man than there are in the fish and make tracks uh graphically speaking this is not really an impressive game and let's be dreadfully honest here the sound effects are on kind of the annoying side and i think it has one of the worst theme songs of any game we've we've talked about not the worst but i would say it's definitely in the top 10 worst theme game theme songs we've talked about it's, it's just not a very pretty tune at all but and as you saw in my notes sean i was ready to say that i was like unimpressed with this game Yes, and then I decided to give it a few more tries uh, without the cheats on. Oh, by the way, the the whole uh, the warp hole thing. I I played a few games with that turned on. It didn't really add that much to the game. Maybe makes it a little easier to escape out of situations, but it's a take it or leave it. But anyway, I was fully going to. Anyway. I might as well say now. I was fully going to give this game a two. You know, two continues. As I said in my notes, I felt was like just a mediocre game. But then I sat down to play it some more tonight. And uh, I was playing it, and I just kept getting that I have to give this one more go feeling with this thing. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's a blatant Pac-Man ripoff. Let's let me let's let's not beat around the bush. It is uh, for all the reasons we've mentioned. But I kept wanting to give this one more go, one more go, one more go. Yeah, this hmm. game does have some cheap deaths. Like you could be chasing, uh, you could be have a, a, a fish chasing you, then you get to the roller and you try to push it back with a fish reverse direction. And then the second you get past at the end of the overpass, you let go of the roller, the fish comes right back at you and can kill you right there. I've had that happen more than once. But I had to give this game another go. And another. And I was, I was playing it a lot in lieu of actually doing more research on the game. And uh, here, you're in, I don't know if you kept track of your scores, but I actually scored 16,980 on this. Which is yeah, not I didn't a, really keep track because it bored me that much that I just didn't care. Yeah, I mean, it's not a great game, but I, I didn't talk about the first place I ever saw it or played it. I believe it was at the Sound Investment Records and Tapes really? in oh, Plainsville, right. Illinois. Yeah. You, you they told me they to used have, to have those games. Mm-hmm. And they, I think they used to have like a little few of the more obscure games. I said that I previously had mentioned that I played Phoenix there. Uh, I know I played Kicks there for the first time. Um, there was another game, uh, Zippy Race slash Traverse USA they had, and they also had a game called, at one time called Munchmobile, which is an interesting game I'd like I to talk I remember about. that game. I want to talk about that some. I think Munchmobile's, now that I think about it, on that, uh, NES plug-and-play unit that I got. Oh, no I have way. to look at that. I gotta, I don't know if I've ever showed you this thing. I gotta show this to you sometime, if I can figure out how to keep the batteries from not losing contact. But, um, I've got a soldering iron. <laughs> I was originally going to rate this game a two because I just I felt it was too hard and it didn't. But then I started playing it and playing it and playing it. And I'm like, I was actually starting to get into it. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to bump this up one. And my notes, I was I wasn't going to I was going to I didn't say my actual number, but I was fully planning on rating it a two. I have to rate it a three. I was actually having a little fun with that at the end. <sighs> I don't know. 
Sometimes that sometimes that happens. I mean, Arabian, I used to love as a kid when I was younger. Playing it nowadays is just like, eh, so what? And Ara- oh, oh, by the way, Arabian is definitely on that uh, NES plug and play thing I've got. Huh. Yeah. But you don't spell Arabian, you spell some other word. I'm the opposite. I was actually coming into this episode going to rate make tracks slash crush roller a three because you know it's, it's not great but it'll do but the more i think about it and i think it was right when i said you know what this game bored me so much i didn't even care how i did that tells you right away uh-huh. that the, the, at least how i feel about it there's no way i could give it a three this gets a two crush roller make tracks whatever gets a two and yeah and it's just boring. I mean, you know, they could have, they, if they wanted to do a Pac-Man ripoff, they could have done a better job of it. I'll, I'll just put it to you that way. It's definitely a Pac-Man ripoff. You won't get an argument from me on that. Yeah. And I, I do want to play the Neo Geo pocket color version just to see what they added to it. I did notice that they, um, in this game, there's no warning as to when the, uh, the fish come out of the maze. They don't, it, to me, it just doesn't, doesn't seem like that they, come out of the aquarium slowly like the monsters in Pac-Man do. You know, they come out through that door. It just seems like they're in there and suddenly, boom, they're in the maze. Same thing with the uh, with the, the bonus enemies. Uh, in the pocket, Neo Geo pocket color version of this game, uh, they give you a warning before they come out into the maze so you can adjust your strategy accordingly. And I liked that. Uh, I liked that the Neo Geo pocket color has different mazes. Like I said, I only saw a YouTube video of it and I'm definitely going to emulate this and uh, play it so um i'm going to do that and uh, get back to you yes i'm going to definitely do that with this game but uh yeah and it occurs to me we haven't talked about scores and uh, i saw your notes as far as scores go on this and given as i was saying before the difficulty of this game the scores kind of perplex me yeah it it is weird because you got greg r bond who um on well, at least according to Twin Galaxies, this was verified October 2nd, 2011. He scored 2,374,790. And uh, interestingly, Arcade.com has him listed as scoring 2,269,500 at Funspot on June 20th, 2005. And that was actually his previous Twin Galaxies world record. So for whatever reason, Arcade doesn't have his current Twin Galaxies record. There, there was also a separate entry in Twin Galaxies for Crush Roller, and Giuseppe Fiorito got the world record on that uh, June 27th, 1984, with 2,514,100. And all I can say is these two guys, Giuseppe and Greg, are both, like, very tolerant. That's all I'm going to say, you know, to play it that freaking long. When I saw that name, I could have sworn that was the Italian guy in... Um Man yeah, versus thought, snake. Yeah, I looked it up. It's, but it, I it's thought not. the it's same thing. Guy. I was like, wait a minute. It's, it sounded yeah. familiar, but... It's totally different. Yeah. Totally. All Italians' names sound alike. Isn't that right, Chris Federico? So, um, oh. yeah. <laughs> I kid because I care. Oh, man. Or so but, I like uh, to tell myself. I'm not, going, I'm not going there. But the thing is about make tracks. First of all, I don't like the name that... What, what was wrong with Crush Roller? Why couldn't they keep it at Crush Roller? What... Because the thing about make give tracks, you, I will. I, I, at the very least, there are items in this game that do make tracks on the areas that you have painted. So, at the very least, that is a kind. Crush Roller is a better name because that's the main, you know, thing and yeah. main weapon in the game. Make tracks isn't terrible. It's not like the whole puzzle bobble bust a move thing. 
and I'll t- let me tell you something about Make Tracks. I never saw it until probably a couple of years ago, but I had always heard of it, and I never actually looked into it before. And Make Tracks, I keep thinking, well, it's 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 got to be a racing game of some kind. It does sound involved. like a racing game name. It does, and that's what I. Th- and then when I saw it, actually, in fact, I'll talk about the first time I actually saw it. I saw two iterations of this game on the same day. Uh, there was a standalone um, make hmm. tracks cabinet, and they had a uh, cocktail table multicade, and one of the games on it was Crush Roller, and that was when I first saw Make Tracks, and I was like, "This has what? What are you doing here? This is kind of like Amadar, really." At least that's how I felt, mm. at least. And it's like, what mm. What tracks are you making? You're just coloring something, you know? And actually, be fair, there is a tire that, as I had mentioned earlier when you were using the tinkle pit, um, that um, there is a tire that does come out and actually make tracks. So there is a vehicle in the game, just yeah, not a in really integral part of the game. Yeah. And just really, I just can't... Ever since, I, ever since that day, though, when I finally saw make tracks... I've been scratching my head over it, which is one reason I have this really, this almost bald spot in the back of my head, actually. Sure, that's not genetics? Yeah, I'm pretty sure because my dad doesn't have it. Oh, okay. He's got a pretty much full head of hair. Thin, but full. But um, as I was saying, though, I just couldn't get past that name, Magtrax, because at best, it sounds like it's going to be some kind of racing game, like maybe an off-road game or something. Or at worst, or at worst, you might think that it's something like an Uncle Pooh or something. You know what it sounds like to me? Is if somebody took Atari 2600 Dodgem, and it's like the pirated yeah. name, the pirated name of 2600 Dodgem. Yeah, like one of those like shady, like Korean, like gray market releases that you see once in a while. What was the uh, what was the uh, the fake 2600 uh, box? For uh, for Dodgem, you remember that one? Oh, I say, yes, that's it. Yes, oh, I say, <laughs> ne'er do wells and scallywags. <laughs> God, that page is so brilliant. I wish they would do more. <laughs> that that hasn't been. They haven't done anything new with that in like six, seven well, years. Well, that was a blog entry. Yeah, that's true. But it was so awesome. Now, that, my that, my that favorite was, was still the checkers one, though. It's effing checkers. Seriously. <laughs> Oh, uh, the fun we have. Anyway, I think I've give, uh, if we both rated the, the game. Yeah, we have. Point? We've talked about the huh. scores and uh, Make Tracks is ultimately a pretty forgettable game, but I had a little more fun playing it than I originally thought I was going to. And, and uh, I, I totally agree with you on the harsh sounds and the, even the graphics are kind of grating too. I don't mean this to sound like the way it's going to sound, but the graphics are so japanese in a way like they're so like well as i said namco hardware they've they've got they get yeah. they got kind of a, a namco uh i mean the color uh, scheme is very namco, like uh, look at this right now yeah you know yeah it's 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 not a pleasant game to look at but like i said yeah. I don't, i'm not i'm not gonna repeat myself again uh what yeah no not gonna do it this time so ultimately forgettable you might have a little fun with it i had a little fun with it Will I come back to it? Actually, after tonight, I might. Uh, a lot of times when doing research, um, I'll just play, you know, without the uh, without cheats turned on, uh, and then play a few rounds, you know, just to refresh my memory. Because you live closer to the arcades than I do, you or at the very least can get to them more often than I can. I'm stuck with Mame, and uh, and that. So, but this is one I I played for a couple of hours today. With uh, without the cheats on, and I'm, I I got better and better at it, and I'm like, hmm, 
But it, it, it is ultimately for all intents and purposes, or uh, as some say, intensive purposes. I say intensive porpoises. Uh-huh. It's forgettable, basically. I, I think we can agree with that. But what's forgettable? Exactly. Huh. So I think with that, we should probably announce the theme. Okay. And we've had some uh, controversy over our theme. We've had some discussion over the theme because I've, I've planned. Unfort- it's sad, but I most, I generally come up with most of the ideas for the themes. Uh, and you know, it's it's not planned that way. It just happens that way because I, I don't know. It just happens. And um, my original idea for the theme for this episode were games that are based on household chores. Make tracks your painting and bubbles. You're cleaning a sink. However, you were saying, though, in Make Tracks slash Crush Rollers slash Kokuski Rollers slash E-I-E-I-O that um, you're painting a road, and that's not something you do. However... Yeah. And you definitely don't paint a damn road green. I've, where, where's our... Oh, you know what? That having they, been they, said... They could be bike lanes. A lot of bike lanes are green, so that might be what those that are. That having been said, though, uh, something interesting happened to me when I was out mowing the lawn yesterday. Uh, I was uh, approached by a person that was selling... Uh, driveway sealing services. And I'm like, no, thank you. And then it occurred to me, uh, I was thinking about the reading I've done about these door-to-door driveway sealing service scams, that most of the time they just paint your driveway with thin black paint, not even with an actual sealant. So yeah, you could be painting your driveway. Granted, you would be painting it black, like the Rolling Stones would paint it black. So it still could be considered a household chore. And uh, some people paint basketball layouts you know on their driveways and stuff too and sure and so i, I still say it's games based on household chores but okay, so be we it. could do you, you had an alternate suggestion though what was that i don't remember um yeah williams games that have some sort of obvious pac-man influence and that basically the guys who did bubbles absolutely admitted it they flat out said we wanted to have a game that was sort of like pac-man and you can't not see the Pac-Man connection with Make Tracks slash Crush right. Rollers slash. Uh, and of course, I just had whatever. a uh, just had an idea now for an all, another alternate theme, Williams games that uh, have no buttons and they're going the gameplay. I think every other oh. game they've ever made has had at least a button. Oh. And in some of them, some of their games have a bazillion buttons. I'm looking huh. at you, Stargate. I can't think of any other Williams games that have no button that you use in gameplay huh well played lemon and i'm sure feedback bait somebody will correct us on that or maybe not maybe not so uh don't we have people to thank uh no i'm not thankful for any well yeah okay fine you know what i enjoyed what you did with it last time uh maybe i should write a rap nah nah let's spare the world no. We just write, read them off the no, list. No, last time I just read them off the list. I wonder if we maybe we should read them dramatically. Should we give it a dramatic reading? No, it takes no. too long. Oh, okay. No, besides, we'd have to come up with a whole script and everything. And No, well, not necessarily. I've been well known yeah. for dramatic readings of ingredients on soup cans. And huh. <laughs> that's not a joke. <laughs> maybe I'll yeah, treat that, you to that. that I've, I seem to remember hearing that before. In fact, like, I did a, in fact tonight I was enjoying... A, a refreshing, refreshy bottled water. And didn't I do a dramatic reading of those on one of our episodes a while back? I think I did. Yes, you did, actually. Yes. Yes, you did. Here's what we'll do. Let um, us thank. 
Let us thank the following people. In fact, we do thank the following people. We thank Rory Charles Coleman. We thank Greg Polander. We thank Nate Lockhart. We thank Underground Retrocade and Richard Valdez and Keith Sheehan. Oh, dude. I don't remember if I told you this, but a week or two ago, one of my coworkers, like, just, I was on my way to the Tinkle Pit or something. One of my coworkers passed me. He said, You know Keith Sheehan? And I just kind of stopped. I was like, uh, Yeah, yeah, I did. It turns out he's, he used to work with with uh, with Keith. Uh, this guy oh. used to work with Keith. Uh, let's see, Jonas Rulo, thank you for your support. Uh, Kyle Edder, did I say you yet? Well, if I didn't, nope. c- thank you. And Michael D'Angelo. Uh, is it D'Angelo? D'Angelo? I'm not sure. But Michael, thank you so much for your support. Thank yeah, all yeah, of you for please your support. Correct us. Thank you to Steve Tui and the folks over at Tuiville. Thank you for your ongoing support. And if you are a Patreon sponsor or somebody who has been very good to us and we mispronounced your name, let us know uh, and we will correct that because we are nothing if not suck-ups to our loyal listeners and supporters. Absolutely. Indeed we are. And I think that that we should wrap this up, stick it in the blender and hit frappe or liquefy. We haven't done that in a while. uh, We've never done the frappe. No, we've never done the frappe. Huh. That's Let's actually, what, I got that, that line from the Jim Carrey movie, The Mask, actually. It was uh, delivered by, uh, gosh, what the heck was the actor's name? He was a comedian. He, Someone I have heard of before, and I can't think of his name. I do that a lot. Now. Was really, it Shlomo uh, McCarthy? Might be. But uh, at any rate, so yeah, we'll hit Frappe, and then, uh, Sean, what are, games are we going to talk about in the next episode? Funny you should ask, because we're going to be talking about a couple of them. Uh, We will be talking about Black Widow. We will be talking about (gasps) Centipede. We may or may not have have a guest. Yes, yes, we have talked about this. And um, I don't think you can do an episode of Are you thinking about Richard Jenny, by the way? Yes, Richard Jenny. That's who it was. Yes, it was Richard Jenny. Um, I don't think we could do an episode about Centipede without talking to the specific person. I mean, we could, but... Um, yeah, I already approached him. He said, you sure you don't want me? Because, you know, this other person probably much better. It's like, just just talk to us. This guy's a beast at Centipede, and he streams it on Twitch, Twitch. from live from Galloping Ghost all the time. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, those are our games. Yeah. And uh, the astute will probably already guess our... Uh, we're really running out of theme ideas, aren't we? Oh, please. So, all right, there you go. We will talk to you all again in a couple of weeks. And until then, remember, let's Uncle Pooh. Indeedy do. Bye-bye. Sugarloaf. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is the Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Addenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at Patreon.com slash PieFactoryPodcast. Lying deaths. What's the deal with airline food? No. And of course, I'd say I don't think... Is it? He, he never did say what's the deal, did he? Or did he? I don't know. There was a. I'm sure, he did. He probably did at some point, but it's not like he did. He, he did when he hosted stand up and win on SNL. I'll tell you that much. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. 
Or did or did he say that, or did the contestants say I that? I couldn't tell you. I don't That's know. a good. That was a great. I've never seen that. I haven't really seen anything new of Saturday Night Live in like, wow, maybe ten years. I got to tell you, I think the best SNL sketch I've ever seen was from a year or two ago, mm-hmm. and it was a commercial. It was a fake commercial based on those little things where it's like, oh, just donate X. It's only the cost of a cup of coffee, and that'll feed these people for a week, and it was one of those things. <laughs> you know what? Thinking about it, I have seen some stuff that they've done in the last 10 years. It's mostly the uh, the stuff with uh, Andy Samberg and Lonely Island, like... Uh, like um, uh, what was the oh, one Lazy yeah. Sunday and uh, Richard in a Box and uh, stuff like that. But, you know, you're talking about the commercials. I always remember some of the funniest stuff they ever did were the commercials. There was the, the commercial they did for Colin Blow cereal. Oh, yeah. And then there was the uh, the one for the, the trap doors. Uh, but I think the, the yep. classic, the two classic ones were both Dan Aykroyd. There was uh, Del Stater's Char Palace. Where you they give you a chainsaw and you go out back and you cut your own steaks, <laughs> and then of course there's the basomatic. Oh, of course. Yes. Oh gosh, those are their, their commercials were always generally good. And the uh, there was, what was the one? It was um, it was a Phil Hartman one. It was for it was for a Clicky Chicken, uh, chicken restaurant, and, uh, they, and it, it plays off the whole uh, using the anthropomorphic animal to uh, promote a fast food joint. And a clicky chicken was uh, was like animated uh, chicken, and in the commercial they cut his head off and they fry the head and everything. It was hilarious. Oh gosh, that was so good. So, but yeah, back when uh, back when it was fab, long time ago when it was. And fab. I just gotta say this about SNL, and then we should just really not talk more about SNL yeah. because this is not about SNL; it's about games. But well, in theory, SNL. Everybody's oh, it hasn't been good since the original cast. Shut up everybody okay i have the both the first and second season on dvd it was no better then it was no better now it's the same thing yeah. it's still there the, the episodes there might be one or two good things and the rest is boring mm-hmm. might have a good musical guest but that's it there was there was nothing there was never a time when you could okay there was the really 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 bad years like in the early 80s 1980 like when Julia Louis Dreyfus was in the cast, like around that time. Yeah, nineteen eighty. Uh, it was. Uh, I think Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo were in that season, but uh, they they came back, and then they had uh, Charlie Rocket. Gilbert Gottfried was on the cast that year. Now that I think about it, and um, oh gosh, there was another one that I've heard of. Um, uh, the best year was the one where they had uh, Chris. Was it Christ- Christopher Guest, Michael McKeon, uh, Billy Crystal, and uh, Jim Belushi. You heard it here. Somebody actually used Jim Belushi and Best in the same breath. Well, I'm not saying Jim Belushi was the best part. I just remember him from that season. Um, oh, Martin Short was in that season as well. Ugh. And my one of my all-time favorite bits on the show was he hosted a game show called Jackie Rogers Jr. $100,000 Jackpot Wad. <laughs> I love Martin Short. I think he's hilarious. But anyway. Oh, that makes one of us. Uh, should make two of us. I think he's funny. But... Uh, you know, there you are. So, um...